0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Bluewire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire.
1: Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. Dan Schneier joins always my co-host Nick Molato the season's nearing baby we're getting close to Giants football I can't wait I really hope we're going to be good this year at worst I know we're going to throw the football a lot more and that makes me happy we're going to be a lot more aggressive in fourth down situations and that makes me happy and we got some young talent more than we've had me and Nick talked about soft pod like we went to last year we we're like all right Andrew Thomas Xavier McKinney full stop the rest were veterans young talent wise now we got that plus Double that amount of players. When you look at Aziz Jalar. I'm sorry, not Aziz O'Jelari, though. I'd throw him in, too, for F's sake. I think he's going to be great. We just talked on the last podcast. But just double some of this drafts alone with Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal. And both seem to be playing prominent roles right away. So I'm very excited for this season. We'll get into that. Today, we're going to do a little bit of bold predictions. We're also going to go ahead and give stat predictions. Nick did this last year. I'll give my over-under picks on all of his stat projections and predictions. So let's start this thing off with the fun part, for me at least, Nick. And that's going to be the bold predictions. Give me your first bold prediction. It's basically the same as mine, but let's do it anyway.
2: Saquon Barkley will go north of 2,000 yards from scrimmage and will be a top two fantasy running back.
1: I love this bold prediction. Mine was top three fantasy running back. And part of that bold prediction was he's going to come very close to triple digit receptions. I believe he almost got there his rookie season, but did not. I think it's going to be a similar situation. I'm seeing 85 to 95 receptions, which will completely propel his fantasy season into that range because you look up top at those running backs. Christian, Christian McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor, after that, and I'll throw Austin Eckler in there because it's fine. He's on the chargers because of that. He's going to get a lot of red zone scoring opportunities and some receptions after that though, who the hell has more upside than Saquon Barkley? To me, it's no one. I don't know if anyone even has the touch upside as him besides maybe Derek Henry. I, and I don't even think Dalvin cook, but maybe Dalvin cook. I don't know if anyone else even has the reception upside and yeah, I'm including Alvin Kamara. I don't see Avin Kamara with the same kind of reception upside with Jameis Winston as his quarterback versus Drew Brees. I don't see Aaron Jones potentially with the same kind of reception upside as Saquon Barkley because Aaron Jones is coming off the field for 30 to 35% of the snaps for AJ Dillon, who, by the way, today, Nick, I read an article. This was unbelievable. AJ Dillon is Jewish. I found this out today. Unreal revelation for the Jewish community, myself included, can you believe it? We got another Jew. We got another Jewish athlete. These are so rare. Though I can't even remember like Julian Edelman kind of counts, but not really. Because A.J. Dillon was actually like bar mitzvah. He grew up Jewish. He believed in it. Like he went to Hebrew school. That was never for Julian Edelman. He just had like a little bit of Jewish heritage and like claimed it because it's fun to claim. But, like, this dude is actually Jewish, and I'm thinking of, like, Jay Fiedler when I grew up. He was a Jew. Sandy Koufax. Sandy Koufax. But then it goes even further back. I wasn't alive for that. Like, Jay Fiedler, I was alive for Jay Fiedler when he was, like, that Dolphins quarterback that, like, played occasionally, had zero-arm talent, kind of could run but was small, but, like, still ran decent. (laughs) Now we have, like, a legit potential top-end talent in the NFL as a Jew, A.J. Dillon. Awesome stuff. So this was a big revelation for me. I have not drafted him yet in fantasy, but I have one more league that you're in. I have a couple more leagues in general. I will be getting him in one of those two, Nick. So please, ours is an auction. Please do not outbid me for AJ Dillon.
2: I am going to attempt to outbid you for AJ Dillon, who I do think will be no, a, you a good fantasy you deserve deserve <laughs> <laughs>
1: you've got Jimmy Garoppolo. You've got like, who else is? You've got some options there, I feel like. There's some Italian. Matt Milano, if we're playing IDP, which we're not. But anyway, we're straying off point. My point here is that I think Barkley has more reception upside than anyone at the running back position besides Christian
2: McCaffrey. I love the Saquon Barkley call. And I actually, I don't have him statted out at 2000 yards and we'll go over my stats a little bit later, but it's close, man. And I really think this offense is just, we've said this so many times, it's just going to run through Saquon Barkley. And why the hell would it not run through Saquon Barkley? So that's one of my favorite calls. By us here, and hopefully it happens. And hopefully he can stay healthy, which is another huge uh, discussion point. But my second bold prediction, Dan, for the first time since 2016, the Giants will have more sacks than they suffer. Love that,
1: and that's a wink. That's a product of wink, isn't it?
2: It's a product of wink, and, and I, the I'm not a huge. I'm not a huge advocate that this offensive line is going to be like a top echelon offensive line or, or anything like that, or even the top half of the league in terms of pass blocking. I still think they're going to have issues with pass blocking. I think Evan Neal is going to, you know, he's going to have his games where it's not going to look great. I think Mark Lewinsky is not the best pass blocker, John Feliciano, but I do believe the way Wink Martindale is going to dial up pressures is going to confuse a lot of these quarterbacks the Giants are playing against. Look, you play your schedule, okay? The Giants don't have that many top-end quarterbacks on their schedule. You got Dak Prescott twice, you got Aaron Rodgers, you have Lamar Jackson, but then you also have guys like Davis Mills, like Geno Smith. I love Trevor Lawrence, but he's still a young player and Wink Martindale can really take advantage of a lot of these younger type of quarterbacks. So yeah, it is a product of Wink. It's also a product of the Giants' system. And I think Wink is just going to really confuse a lot of those young quarterbacks, a lot of those protection packages. And I think the giants will be able to have more sacks than they suffer.
1: It may not even seem like a bold call on the outset, but it is one when you consider the giants haven't done it since 2016. What, it, what does it say to say to the roster, you know, four years of those were Gettleman, one year that was Jerry Reese, but that they have not even been able to accomplish this since 2016. So it's bold enough to me that it qualifies. It's got to be bold to get to make this. And by the way, as we were speaking, I just thought it was funny to mention real quick. I got a text from my buddy, Kevin a Shout out. He's a big time listener of the podcast. He said, how many first rounders will you give me for AJ Dillon in our dynasty league now that you know he's Jewish? <laughs> and I'll respond later, but there will be. At least one first rounder offered his way because my team is pretty good. So it's a late one anyway. I'll play. I don't care. It's a running back. You shouldn't really go crazy over them in Dynasty, but F it. It's AJ Dillon. I want him. You're in this league, by the way, too, Nick. So don't try to jump me for this AJ Dillon. <laughs> uh, but my next bold prediction is going to be a bold one for sure. That's the name of the game. That's the show. I think Sterling Shepard's going to lead the Giants in receptions. Now, this bold prediction is bold to most people for a lot of reasons. One, Dude hasn't practiced at all this preseason, hasn't played. I mean, this, all, this preseason has barely practiced. The dude's always injured throughout his NFL career. The dude's older. And most people have really penciled in Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney. And honestly, a lot of people have penciled in Wandell Robinson as the three key cogs in this passing game. But I'm going to go with Sterling Shepard for a variety of reasons. One, I think he has the best rapport with Daniel Jones coming in. Two, I think a case can honestly be made. He's still the best route runner on this roster at his age and recover and the way he's looked, even so. That doesn't mean he'll be there for the whole season, but my guess is that he's still the best route runner. Kadarius Tony can be at some point. I don't know if he's there yet. I'm not giving that to Gale or Wandell Robinson by any means. Juan Robinson tape showed us there were some potentially some issues that he needs to iron out as a route runner. But Sterling Shepard, I think he's still the best on the roster. I think that we always call these guys injury prone. We predict injuries. We try to do that in fantasy and in the NFL when you prognosticate and for the most part, it's total hogwash. Evan Ingram was supposed to always be injured, played a full season. You know, there's so many examples of this. Throughout, We don't need to go over them all. So I think there's a non-zero chance that he just stays healthy this year. You know, things break, right? He stays healthy. He plays more games than a Kadarius Tony. He's more effective than a Kenny Galladay. And he's more nuanced within Daniel Jones, when the rapport with Daniel Jones, than a Wandell Robinson. So he's my bold prediction to lead the Giants in receptions this year.
2: Hey, if he stays healthy, man, I don't even think it's that bold because we've seen Daniel Jones hyper target Sterling Shepard several times throughout his career. and We know they do have a nice developed rapport when he actually is on the football field, which it seems like he is not too often. Now, this one kind of works hand in hand, Dan, with the Saquon Barkley will go north 2000 yards. I, I, I don't know how bold this is, man, because I can't see a path to where this happens because the Giants wide receiver room is so just awkward right now. I think Saquon Barkley could lead this team in receptions. I don't know how crazy that is, because I can, and we'll go over my projections here in a little bit. I think the ball is going to be spread around this offense, and there's not going to be one of those primary receiving type of players unless Kadarius Toney can prove to stay healthy, establish a rapport with Daniel Jones, get acclimated within this offense. I think he has the talent to do that. I just don't know if that's going to be realistic. So Saquon Barkley leading the team in receptions, I think is a bold prediction that's not even really that bold.
1: Yeah, I like that one, too, and I think it has a good chance of happening. My next one's going to be bold in the sense that if you look at the top-performing teams in this metric, it's typically teams that hold on to the football, teams that have the football a lot, teams that score a lot, teams that create a lot of first downs. But I'm going with the Giants to finish in the top five in pass attempts during the 2022 season. Top five is bold. But I think that this offense is going to catch stride during the easy part of their schedule. And I don't think they're ever going to let up from a passing volume standpoint. I think this is what Brian Dable believes in. The Bills are among the most pass-heavy teams under Brian Dable. And yes, they had Josh Allen, but Josh Allen wasn't always Josh Allen. The first two years of his NFL career was struggle, and they still threw the ball a lot. He believes in what I believe that the passing game is an extension of the run game and can be used that way. And in a lot of ways, you should pass to set up the run, not run to set up the pass. From a schematic standpoint, for sure, he believes that, and I do too, but also from an NFL rules standpoint. There are so many better things that can happen when you drop back to throw the ball versus when you run the ball. When you run the ball, what can happen from a – just look at it from a penalty standpoint. When you run the ball, what's most likely to happen from a penalty standpoint? Offensive holding. When you pass the ball, what's most likely to happen from a penalty standpoint, defensive holding auto first down. And so I know he believes this. I know he believes that in a lot of ways, some of those quick outs to the flat or some of those quick crossers in and the, the screens and the balls that are thrown around the line of scrimmage, the wide receivers on screens are a better call than a run call. And I think he's going to rip
2: the ball through the air early and often. Somewhere in Ohio, Woody Hayes is rolling around in his grave right now with that comment about passing. But I do believe you're on to something right there, man. This is a totally different game right now than it was back in the 70s and the 60s and the 80s, where running the football was paramount. There are only three things that can happen on a pass, and two of them are bad. That was Woody Hayes' quote from back in the day. So, you know, that's Big Ten football right there, Dan. Some Some of those Big Ten programs still live by that stuff.
1: Yeah. And look, they do. The Wisconsin is one of them. I mean, there has been so many frustrating texts that have been sent in my Wisconsin gr- friend group chat throughout the years over Paul Chris decision to go run, run, pass over and over and over again. And I mean, over again, four straight possessions of run the ball first down, run the ball second down pass third down, but that's not Brian Dable. It's not who he is. It's not what he's about. It doesn't really matter to me what the personnel is. I I've, I've seen by how he coached up, you know, some of the earlier days of Josh Allen and that he is going to be a pass first coach. And I think Kafka also agrees with that. Look at what the chiefs are chiefs and the bills are two of the most pass heavy teams, a neutral down situation. So we've got two coaches that want to throw the ball. I think the giants will finish top five in pass attempts.
2: Ooh, let's hope so, man. That would be really exciting for us. So these two bold predictions kind of go together. I don't really know how bold they are, but let's check it out. Two players on the giants, will go north of eight sacks. And I don't think they both will be Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari. So I think Leonard Williams will more than likely go north of eight sacks along with one of those two edge rushers. Some of that is also you know, negatively affected by the fact that both of them are entering the season with injuries that we don't know how long they'll linger. And then another kind of bold prediction that goes along with this, it's not really too bold, but At least 15 players on this team will have sacks. I could even probably up that because we know there's going to be random players like Dane Belton, players like that that are going to be getting sacks. Random cornerbacks who are going to play just a little bit. Trenton Thompson's going to get brought up from the practice squad and get a sack like he did in preseason. So I could even possibly say more than 18 players on this team will at least have a half sack.
1: I like that bold call, Nick. And I think that you're right. It's going to be a collective operation with a lot of different guys blowing down that line of scrimmage, screaming downhill, and creating sacks. The Stephen's going to have more sacks than we've had in a very long time. My next bold prediction, Nick, and this is bold when you consider. The history of what he's done from a passing standpoint and it is really truly at times sad for me to look at these numbers these career stats because it's just hard to imagine you could play that amount of games and throw for that few yards but I think Daniel Jones is going to break the 4,000 yard mark as a passer this year despite the fact that he's never thrown for more than 3,027 yards which is almost alarming to me. He hasn't broken 3000 yards since his rookie season. And yeah, I get it. He's played 11 and 14 games. We're talking about 3000, not 4000, not 5000, which we've seen the best of the best do at times. But the 4000 mark should be able to break in a 17-game season again. He only played 13 games that year where he broke the 3000 mark. He played 14 games and he threw for 2943 and then he played 11 and threw for 2428. Those are not great numbers on a per-game basis. 232 yards per game as a rookie, 210 as a sophomore, and then 220 last year. Yards pass per game. I think he gets well over the 250 yards per game mark this season, and really does ultimately compile over 4,000 yards passing, the most of his career by far. Because I think there's a lot of factors that go into this. Part of it is that I think they'll be very high in the pass attempt at mark. Part of it is that they could be playing from behind, and the other part of it is I've grown more sure this of this Nick as we've seen more of it. Daniel Jones to me is the best option for the Giants at quarterback at parts of the offseason. I've wavered when he's looked really bad at practice, but I haven't liked at all what I've seen from Tyrod Taylor. If I'm going to be honest from to you, Nick, I like that in game. He's going to be more comfortable in the pocket as a veteran quarterback, and he's seen more things. And I like his ability to escape and be creative as an escaper and his ability to throw on the run. But from a pure ball placement standpoint, I've been very alarmed at what I've seen from Tyrod Taylor this preseason. I don't love his ball placement at all. And I know you told me this and you brought this up when you're like, look, dude, I watched a lot of that Houston tape. There's some good stuff, but the ball placement was really inconsistent overall. And as I've kind of thought a little bit more about those games and what I've seen this preseason, I just think the ball placement is too inconsistent for him to ever get snaps over a healthy Daniel Jones and Daniel Jones is the best option right now by far to me. And so I think he's going to play all 17 games for the first time in this career too. That could be another bold prediction in itself, but you know me with the injuries, I don't really believe that there's such thing. Um, For the most part, I mean, obviously, that's not a full on statement, but look, I think he's going to play the whole season, and I think he's going to break the 4K yard mark for the first time in his career. I think
2: it's definitely something that can happen. So, this is, uh, I don't know how bold this one is, right, Dan? But I think Andrew Thomas earned national respect because I feel like when I listen to national people, there's a lot of, he actually played pretty good in the second season. Yeah, it the trajectory of Ann Thomas's career is heading in that direction. I'm gonna go right now for my final bold quote unquote prediction. And you could blame me for that if you're listening
1: in. A lot of what Nick just said, unfortunately, just cut out. I have a serious storm brewing on my end. I think it's messing with my internet, unfortunately. But The crux of it, at least what I could hear, was the truth. Listen, when you hear a media talk about Andrew Thomas, it's so funny. They act like the entire 2021 season didn't happen. They're just basically judging their opinion off of the 2020 first half of the season, and that's going to change this year. I think Nick made that clear, and I think that's going to be the case as well. I will dive into another one, as long as you can hear me, guys, still. The stupid internet cutting out. But my next one will be that Adoree Jackson finishes the 2022 season, Nick with a top 10 pro football focus grade at the cornerback position as a top 10 corner, one of the 10 best performers. I think part of it is what I said. He was looked so locked in during the preseason and training camp. Part of it is that he's just not going to get a lot of balls thrown his way. I just feel like, yes, he's on an island too, but they're really going to test Aaron Robinson lot of this season. And, and in addition to that, the slot, I know that we like what Darnay Holmes has done. We think there's some upside long-term with Jacordo Flot, but I think that a is the guy they're not going to look at. And when they do, he's going to make plays on the football. So that would be another one of my bold predictions. My last bold prediction, Nick, Micah McFadden will lead the giants inside linebackers in total snaps. We'll see a lot of this translate, I think in the second half of the season, but ultimately I think he's a best fit for this scheme. I think he's the best talent by far on, of the three that we're talking about right now to play to play a role there, uh, Kalitro, him, and Tate Crowder. So I think he'll do it. Year one, lead the Giants inside backers and snaps as a fifth-round
2: rookie, by the way. That'd be impressive as a fifth-round rookie to lead the team in snaps. I'm curious on what they're going to do with Austin Calitro and, and what his role will be, what Carter Coughlin's role will be. Cause I don't know if Micah McFadden is going to play a lot of snaps initially. I think he'll be in on third down, but I think Tay Crowder is going to be given the opportunity to win this job and and to to play the most snaps. So I would say this is definitely bold, but I can also understand where you're coming from and, and how that can materialize just because we haven't really seen Tay Crowder be the guy that we want him to be, even though this again is a seventh round pick from 2020.
1: Yeah, exactly. All right, Nick, any other bold predictions or you want to get in some pass or some stat projections and and I'll give some over-unders.
2: Yeah, let's do the stat projections, man.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over three hundred and fifty million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed Data
2: What's going on, Big Blue Banter listeners? Do you like to place bets and find ways to optimize your betting experience? Well, then oddstrader.com is the place for you. Oddstrader is a place to compare odds from all the major sports books. You can also compare the different sign up codes and promotions from sports books to get the best deal. Oddstrader offers handicapping, play by play updates, player statistics, key game statistics, live scoring and tracking, projected game day, weather, and Bet Tracker allows you to keep records of all your games and betting activity. So if you like to place bets and you want to get the most out of that experience, go to OddsTrader.com and use the promo code BLUEWIRE. That's OddsTrader.com slash BLUEWIRE. OddsTrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. All right, get us started. Yeah, dance. So let's start with Daniel Jones. So I'm going to try and not factor in injuries. There's one player where I kind of do factor in injuries, and that's Kadarius Toney, because he's been injured throughout his entire career, and he's been injured throughout training camp. So I kind of factor it in a little bit with him, but with everyone else, let's assume they're going to play 17 games, okay? So for Daniel Jones, 17 games, I have him throwing for 3,000. 842 passing yards, which averages 226 passing yards per game, 25 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, 568 passing attempts, meaning it would be a 6.7 yards per attempt, which is pretty much in line with most of his career.
1: I like that one. I'm going to take the over on the passing yards, as I discussed earlier. I am going to take... Oh, man, this is a tough one. I'll go push on the touchdowns, Nick, 25. I'll go push on the touchdowns. I was leaning under, if I'm going to be honest. He's just not a good red zone thrower, at least hasn't proven to be yet in his career. So it makes more sense to go under. I'll go push, so I think he'll get to 25 with the help of Daves, And I'll go over on the interceptions. I think with all the pass attempts, he's going to throw more interceptions than 14, especially through a 17 game season, I think we'll play. So I'll go over on the interceptions, push on the touchdowns over on the yards, and I'll go over on the 568
2: pass attempts. I think he's going to really let this thing rip. And all of those would be career highs again, assuming that he's playing 17 games, but for rushing, I mean, well, I guess we'll start with, you know what? No, let's start with Saquon Barkley. So for Saquon Barkley, I have him rushing for 1,265 yards. On 280 carries, which is an average of 4.51 yards per carry with 10 rushing touchdowns. Okay. I am going to take
1: the, hmm because I, I really think he's going to have a lot of receiving yards. So I'm going to go, and and that is a lot of rushing yards, 1265, but I think I'll play the whole season. I'll go with, Hmm, I'm going to go under on the rushing yards. It's a pretty high total. I'm going to go under on the yards per carry. 4.5 is tough to get. And I'm going to go under. It's tough. I think he's going to have a lot of rushing touchdowns and receiving touchdowns. I'll go. Yeah, I'm going, to go, I'm going to go over on the rushing touchdown. I know this sounds weird when we said he's going to break out, but I do feel a lot of it is going to come through the air.
2: Sounds good. Daniel Jones is the next leading rusher behind Barkley. I have him at 382 yards rushing. 58 carries, 6.5 yards per carry with two touchdowns on the ground. Okay, I'm going to go over
1: on the rushing yards and over on the carries. I think Dable, like me, is a forward-thinking coach who believes, and I've heard this now from so many good football people, Nick, like everyone I respect says the same damn thing. The most guaranteed, easiest yardage that you can get in the NFL is, is a quarterback tucking and running on a design pass play. Not a design run from the running back, not a design run from the quarterback. A quarterback making the decision based on what he sees that he can get yardage by tucking the ball and running on a pass play that's not looking good based on the post-snap coverage and where your receivers are at at the time. And I think that Dable's going to teach him to run a lot. We saw one of those in the preseason. Jones, in general, is somebody who likes to run a lot. Now, he's got to do a much better job, Nick, when he does run of sliding and protecting himself something he just hasn't done at any point, even on his preseason run in the, and again, I think it was against the Bengals where he tucked in run on a design pass play. He kind of like almost put himself in a in risk of getting a bad hit. This is something he's got to figure out. You may never figure out it's year four. It's not, it seems like something you either figure out or you don't, <laughs> but I think they're going to teach him to run because that's part of his skill set. And so I think he's going to beat the over
2: on both of those first two. And I think I'll push on the two to, uh, rushing touchdowns. Just for his career, the highest amount of yards he rushed for was in 2020, 423 with one touchdown. But a lot of that is a little bit skewed by an 80 yard rush where he tripped and fell on his face. Yeah, don't bring that up. Those are two we don't want to reflect on those bad
1: times, Nick. Let's get to the next projection instead of harping on the on the on the Jones. You know, so much people make so much of that, like who cares they if do, yeah. Well. Like whatever. The dude was running fast. He like hit like an insane miles per hour on that run. It was like Lamar Jackson esque I think it was like a tick off of Jackson. So he's running faster than he can. And his feet couldn't keep up with, with his body and he, and he dripped. It's okay.
2: Yeah, I feel it. I feel it. So I have Matt Breida statted out at 258 yards, rushing 61 carries. That's 4.2 yards per carry with run one rushing touchdown. I think a lot of that, not a lot of it, but I do think there's going to be a few chunk plays on like third and long where, Maybe Dable pulls something that is a little bit Joe Judgean, and he just halfback draws depending on if the Giants offense is struggling and it's kind of an obvious punt situation and Brita can like rattle off eight, nine yard runs in those types of situations. But what did you think of this? Because this is one where I'm a little bit uh, uncertain on on what Brita is going to provide because we haven't really seen much of him at all. Yeah, I'm going to take the under here, Nick, just because I ultimately don't think he's going to play that much this year
1: for the Giants. That might be a bolder prediction that the other two got that that honestly, even Brightwell or Antonio Williams are going to get an opportunity uh, instead of Breida. But I do think that and I think he's going to get hurt. Honestly, I don't want to predict injuries. I think there's a chance he's going to get hurt. So I'll take the under on the yards over on the yards per carry. I think it's going to be cut in half. But like you said, they're going to be big, big chunks when he does get the ball. And rushing TD under on that as well. I don't think he's going to have any rushing TDs this year.
2: That's fair. Let's move to receiving. So I have Saquon Barkley as the first pass catcher that we're going to go over. I have him at 92 targets. I know where you're going to go with this. 75 catches for 650 yards, which is 8.5 yards per catch with three receiving touchdowns. Yes, I'm going over on the targets as we talked about over on the receptions as well.
1: Going over on the yards too. And the receiving touchdowns. This is partially why I was able to take so many unders with his rushing output, because although one of my bold predictions is that he's going to be one of these top two, three fantasy backs and have an unbelievable statistical season for the Giants,
2: I think a lot of it will come through the air. And so I'm overs across the board. I can understand that. Hopefully it happens. Kadarius Tony. Now I put a little injury designation next to him Man. just because we just don't know. And I, I, I wanted to do this without injury, but dude, like, can we realistically sit here and, and say with any sort of confidence at all that Kadarius Tony is going to be healthy for 17 games after what we've seen just in a short time here in New York? No, I couldn't. So this one was a little bit awkward to stat out. So just bear with me. I gave him 81 targets. 57 catches for 601 yards, which is 10.5 yards per catch. And then five receiving touchdowns. I don't know how many games he's playing in order to achieve this, but I would imagine if everything was clicking on all cylinders and he played 17, then it would be over on all of these.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's awkward to stat out. It's awkward for me to also pick an over under because I, I, again, I'm not a big like injury prognosticator. But Kadarius Tony was injured his entire career at Florida. He's been injured his entire career with the Giants. And he has a body type that is going to get injured a lot because he runs really low to the ground and he fights for every yard. And that's not really the greatest, you know, that doesn't really leave you in, in your body in position to stay healthy in some ways. So, It's tough for me, too, man. Like When he's on the field, I think he's going to be electric. So I can easily, in my mind at least, Nick, take the over on the yards per catch. I think he's going to be a much better than 10.5 yards per catch player despite getting a lot of his targets right around the line of scrimmage because I think he has that kind of ability. Five touchdowns also feels pretty good to me. I'm taking a push on that because I think it just seems like the right number given the amount of games he's going to play. As far as the 81 targets and 57 reception goes, it's so tough to predict the injuries, obviously – It's also tough to predict where he's at within the system early on. Could slow him down, though. He looks like he's going to play week one.
2: Okay, give me under, under, unfortunately, under, under. I really hope we can see a healthy Kadarius Tony. I think an offense, even with Daniel Jones as the quarterback, and there's questions surrounding Daniel Jones, but an offense with Saquon Barkley and Kadarius Tony, that is a really exciting offense on what you could do. Now, if you could have a field stretcher on this team to really open things up in the middle of the field for Kadarius Toney, and then you have Saquon Barkley as that receiving weapon out of the backfield. I really think you could be cooking, man. You could be you could be cooking up something spicy and cooking up something really yummy with, with those types of weapons. It's just I, I just don't know if Kadarius is gonna be healthy for that amount of time. But let's move on to Wandale Robinson. So for Wandale, I have him at 78 targets with 61 receptions. So a little bit efficient there, 572 yards, which is 9.3 yards per catch. And then three touchdowns. I think there's just going to be a lot of quick hitters, a lot of quick screens, a lot of those little touch passes. And then they're going to try to spread the field with him as well, because he does have some good wheels. But I think a lot of his touches are probably going to be high efficiency type passes.
1: Yeah, I can see that. And if I am, if we are predicting like Tony's not going to play a whole season prop, you you assume some of that at least could funnel to Wandell Robinson. I almost feel like it's going to be a very Isaiah McKenzie-like churn for Robinson in his first year with the Giants. And by Isaiah McKenzie, I mean look at what Isaiah McKenzie's kind of career trajectory and arc has been with the Bills. Uh, obviously it's taking him till this year, though I do feel like he's a great fantasy sleeper, by the way, if you're back end last roster spot. But opportunity-wise hasn't always been there these first couple of years for McKenzie. So it's tough for me to take overs then. I'm going to take under targets, under receptions, over yards, again, I just I just feel like he's going to be better than the 9.3, even though he's getting the ball around the line of scrimmage, and under on TDs as well.
2: I'm fascinated by R- Wondell Robinson's like, archetype as a wide receiver because the player who was selected, I believe, on the second round, it was day two in the previous draft, was Rondale Moore, and we saw how Arizona... Kind of used his skill set, right? And he was targeted 64 times, had 54 catches for 435 yards, and then he had the one receiving touchdown. I think they're going to also use Wandel Robinson somewhat as a running back, like the Arizona Cardinals did a little bit with Rondell Moore. But man, like Rondell Moore, dude, he was like like the majority of his usage was at or around the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I think he had an A dot that was like under a yard,
1: (laughs) the lowest A dot ever for a rookie. Average depth of target, by the way.
2: Yes. And it's crazy, man. When, when, when you think about, when you think about that and R- Rondell Moore, he's like the same size. He's a little bit more, yeah. I would say stacked than Wandale Robinson. And it's funny because Rondell, Wandale, their names are very similar, but they're both like five foot seven and right. maybe a little bit of change, both very, very explosive. So I'm, I'm curious to see if Dable uses Wandale Robinson, similar to how Cliff Kingsbury used Rondell Moore.
1: And it's interesting too, to me, because I thought on his tape, I don't think Wandell Robinson personally has the same kind of juice that R- Rondell Moore is, has. If I'm just going to be honest with the situation, I watched both their tape in college, but I also think he might be a better vertical, slot vertical receiver than Rondell yeah. Moore. And so I almost wonder if that could help his yards per catch and give him, if the Giants can use him in that way as like on those slot verts with the ability to make plays downfield as well. That was something that really intrigued me from Wandell Robinson's Kentucky film. So I don't think it all has to be the same kind of A dot as Rondell Moore, but we'll see.
2: Moving on to Sterling Shepard, and if you guys haven't realized, this this receiving ball spread out like like Brian Dable's just sharing. Okay, that's what this offense. Mike Kafka, Brian Dable, they're just sharing the football. And for Sterling Shepard, I have seventy five targets, fifty one catches for four hundred and fifty two yards, nine point one yards per catch with three tutties.
1: Ooh, okay. So obviously, you've heard my bold predictions. I'm going over on targets, over on receptions, over on yards, and over on TDs. I love Shep this year, man. I really have high expectations for for him having a really surprising sleeper type season out of no, seemingly out of
2: nowhere to some fans who have just ruled him out. Yeah. And this is somebody who's still south of 30. He's 29 years old, obviously coming off of the serious injury. I'm hoping he can be a consistent contributor. And I think he could shatter these predictions. I really do. It's just, you you need him to obviously stay healthy. And that's something that he's never been able to do. I try not to factor that in here. Sometimes that maybe it does influence where I actually go with this. And you also have a lot of these other receiving weapons who could theoretically be more explosive than a Sterling Shepard co- with Sterling Shepard coming off that injury. It's just kind of hard to actually know if that's the case or not.
1: And I I realize and I'm going to be willing to admit that Shepard in general may be a blind spot in my evaluation of this team in roster because I have a really affinity toward what he's put on tape. And me and Nick watch too much of the all 22 to not or at least in my mind, I watch too much of this all 22 to not look at it and be like, this dude is still Probably the best route runner on this team again, and makes tough catches every time gets hit. Somehow he didn't drop it. Doesn't really drop passes. I know, except for that Packers playoff game, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, which sucks, but like does all things right, really? So I just think that he's going to do it and, and he's going to have a sleeper season. And to me, again, it's, it's that shower narrative. You call it, Nick. Uh, I know that's actually Adam Leviton's thing, but it is the rapport thing. And that, by shower narrative, I mean, the report, It's built in. Him and Daniel Jones have had a lot of reps together. They know where they're going to be on the field. They know how they like to run certain routes. They know where he knows they know where to put the ball in certain spots. And I think that really does matter.
2: So I'll take over there and I'll be happy with it. The shower narrative is pretty much exclusive, though, to to players who went to college together. Okay, so then what's the what's the the
1: breakfast narrative? I guess the Cooper Cup. Yeah.
2: the breakfast narrative is, is a big thing, man. You got Cooper Cuppy. You know, I hear Michael Pittman is going out to breakfast with <laughs> with Matt Ryan. So, you know, you, you never know, dude. I mean, Michael Pittman, I don't know if he, you know. He, Pittman
1: oh, in fantasy this year. Oh, uh,
2: yeah. I don't know if he, if he ate a lot of toast with Carson Wentz last year, but I would say he already broke out. No one eats anything with Carson Wentz.
1: Carson Wentz is, I love how people are like, John D- uh, Terry McLaurin has the best quarterback play of his career this year. That's why I love him in fantasy. I'm like, are we so sure that Carson Wentz is a better quarterback Then, yes, I said it. I don't even remember his name. Uh, The dude from Carolina who they signed who played Hall last year. What's his name? Taylor Uh, Heineke. Taylor Heineke. Because Heineke's going to run around and throw some random schoolyard balls out to McLaurin. Wentz is going to sit in that pocket and throw inaccurate balls over and over and over again. He's one of the most inaccurate throwers starting in the NFL today. So, you know what? I'm just not sold on it. So, we'll see what happens there. But I wanted to get that little take in.
2: All right. Get to your next one, Nick. Yeah, we'll go with the tight end right here. Daniel Bellinger, 72 targets, 48 catches, 418 yards, which is 8.7 yards per catch with three tutties. Okay. So I went up my my
1: my sleeper pick. One of them was Bellinger on the last pod. 72 targets does feel like a lot to me. But if he does hit that 80% snap share, if he does hit that, you know, this is it. This is they're not playing Tanner Hudson a lot. They don't really, they just have him for insurance type of thing. He can get there just based on playing 17 games. Like, doesn't require that many targets a game. And so I'm going to go over targets. I'm going to go under targets slightly. I think i will get into, like, the high 60, 70. But over receptions and under on yards per catch. That's my thing. I think i will have a good amount more receptions than 48. But I think i will be under 8.7 yards per catch. A lot of those little, like, just stuff we saw in the preseason type plays. I know we had the one big play in the preseason on the broken play from Tyrod. But other than that, some short stuff. TDs, Daniel Jones loves throwing the tight ends
2: in the red zone, so I'm going to go over on the TDs. And somebody who was similar to Daniel Bellinger, and I did not look this up before statting this out, just full disclosure, but Pat Fryermuth had 77 targets, 60 catches for 497, and then seven TDs. Now, you know, I I don't think I'm going to project seven TDs for someone like Bellinger, and Fryermuth is a, a better overall prospect, I would say, than a Daniel Bellinger. Yeah, but just looking at the tight ends from last season, after I started this out, those two were kind of similar other than the touchdowns.
1: Yeah. Okay. Let's get to the next one.
2: Yeah. So the next one is Kenny Galladay. I have here with less targets than Daniel Bellinger. I have him at 69 targets with 39 receptions for 470 yards, 12 yards per catch and four touchdowns.
1: <gasps> it's just so sad to even talk projections that are this, Devastatingly gross for a player you're paying seventeen million a year to. It's hard to even fathom, but I'll shine a little bright light on it, Nick. I'm going to go over on both targets and receptions, over on yards and under on TDs, but over on the other ones. I really think that when it when the time comes, I'm hoping he could be a little bit more productive. And I think he's going to. I really think he's going to play all the snaps. I don't think they're going to take him off the field because. A lot of it has to do with they paid him, but also because he offers something different than the rest of these receivers. Uh, so I'm going to take the over here. It's obviously you didn't put it high enough, so it's it's that hard to take an over. But I still think a lot of Giants fans would be like, no, under, across the board. They're so down on Galladay. But I'm, I'll take the overs, everything but TDs.
2: Now we have Matt Burita. So Matt Breida, I have him just at 23 targets, 18 catches for 135 yards, which is 7.5 yards per catch. Then I also have him having a touchdown, and that leaves... 544 yards, three touchdowns, 78 targets between Tanner Hudson, David Sills, Richie James, uh, whoever else the Giants are going to sign and plug into the wide receiver tight end, Chris Myrick. I think probably some of Daniel Bellinger's production might get siphoned off from like the Tanner Hudsons of the world and other players like that. It's just hard to kind of prognosticate on where Daniel Bellinger's snap share will be. But other than that, yeah, that's that's the prediction so far for the Giants offense. I'm going to go unders here across the board
1: again for receptions, targets, yards, and TD. My whole take here, basically, Nick, is I'm Breda, by the way. My whole take here is I just think Barkley's going to be on the field early, often, third downs included. And I think some of these other backs might take away some of Brita's share. Uh, it goes back to what you said a little earlier, Nick. It's like, I just haven't seen enough of Brita that this preseason to be convinced he's the same Brita who was one of the fastest players in the NFL when he played for the Niners. And even last year, Brita was pretty effective with the Bills on a per-touch basis. I just haven't seen enough this preseason. He's been dealing with an injury. Is that injury going to linger? Is it going to make him a different player and a different type of asset? Because if so, I don't think they're giving him touches. So I'll just take the safer bet for me at least, which is the under here.
2: And I can totally understand that. It's it's weird, man. I don't I don't know I don't know anything about how they wanna use Matt Breda. I mean, we saw Matt Breda be used in the stead of Devin Singletary and Zach Moss until the the fumble that was counted against Josh Allen on Monday Night Football against the Patriots, and then we didn't really see too much of Matt Breida after that, but obviously Brian Dable likes his game, and I think you're going to see some you know, little slip screens to him. There might be some personnel packages where the Giants align with Saquon Barkley and Matt Breida out there, and I think a lot of the defenses will focus on Saquon Barkley, which could open up opportunity for Matt Breida, so that's kind of where I'm at with it, but again, I, I, I'm i not 100% certain on, on his role here with the Giants. All right, and that's what we have today for the
1: bold predictions and for the stat projection over-unders for the New York Giants in 2022. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Big Blue Banter Podcast. If you enjoy the show, I'm going to bring this back in. One thing we'll always ask is please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you listen. That helps us move up the algorithm, gives us a better chance of reaching other Giants fans. We do this for you guys And we obviously want to keep this free forever, which we will. So please, the only thing we'll ever ask is to take two, three minutes of your time to write a little review and rating. And if you want, throw a question. We want to start incorporating mailbag type questions into these pods again, uh, in addition to just the mailbag specific episodes we do. So yeah, keep that in mind as well. Thank you again. Have a great rest of your week and we'll talk to you soon.